Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where ice cream giveth and ice cream taketh away. Book number 74, The Perfect Girl. Robin will do anything to keep George. Hi, gladiators. Hi. It's me, Marissa Bloxbart, your host. And with me today is a returning guest, but it's been a long time. Big gaps between your appearances. My Robin Wilson ride or die, <laughs> Mary Kate Battles. Hi, Mary Kate. Hi. <laughs> Big sigh from Mary Kate. <laughs> because this is just a true testament to how much I adore you. As a human being. And boy, don't I know it. <laughs> you had a you had an opportunity to get out of this. I gave you the option. Like, you know what? Do you really still want to do this? You've had a rough mm-hmm. few weeks. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you said yes. So I really love you for that. And I'm glad because sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I have guests on the show that read the book and they take away a different feeling from the book than I do. And sometimes I want to be mad about a book and my guest doesn't want to be. And I I don't think, I think that's probably makes for a good podcast, but I think we're both a little mad about this one, at least a little. And so um, that's good. I'm glad. I, I would, I would hate to be simultaneously trying to agree with my guest and disagree with the book while they were agreeing with the book, all that stuff. There's only one way to feel about this. Yes, book. I feel There's I like agree. So. Um, especially from the in the light of day 2023. I guess we should say right up front, and you were clever enough to point this out in your Instagram post about this book a while back, that like this is a seriously like content warning episode. I mean, I sometimes I make light of that a little bit, but this is one of those things. There's like eating disorders. There, I'm going to read some scenes from the book. I'm skipping some others because there were some scenes that I pulled where I thought long and hard about it. And I was like, I don't think I want to put this out into the ether. But before we dive into what The Perfect Girl is all about, let's tell the <laughs> listeners about the cover. Uh, well... Here's a beautiful stranger. I don't know who this person is, but I guess she's Robin Wilson. (laughs) Yeah, is this supposed to be Robin? This is Robin. It must be. There's no other person for it to be. She's wearing a giant Sweet Valley High shirt or jersey of some sort, but I can't think of what it's possibly supposed to be, because that can't be their cheerleading uniform. And it's not her diving uniform. Maybe it's her diving cover-up? Maybe. maybe Do they have cover-ups? That could be. I could see it. It's white. It's got big red letters on it. And she's looking very forlorn, Robin Wilson. Well, she should. She should. She should she's look got forlorn. got problems. Yes. She's, she's got some issues. Multiple issues, which is so interesting. Because yeah. I put the content warning up front. Like, this is the... Um, I mean, I guess we'll... Going back to the old thing, sometimes the content warning is also a spoiler alert. It's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of true. Um, The content warning is anorexia, but we also get some other, like, less content warning-y issues that are going on with Robin that I guess are related, right? Yeah. Or or they could be. Tied to each other. Yeah, Yeah. we've got... um, She's got some... I wrote down at one point, 
that Robin likes being in charge and planning, the book tells us early on. Mm, yes. Yes. She thinks she she has to be in control. Yes. So it starts out with, I'm having a good time planning something, and then progresses, devolves into, I, you know, gradually, like, I really like organizing. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. And then it becomes... Like obsessive and just this whole like multi-level control thing of like wanting to have total control of everything in her life she can possibly have control over um right which you know on some level it's kind of relatable but maybe that's part of why reading this book was a novel reading experience for me because it wasn't fun <laughs> Even when it was ridiculous, like it, the ridiculousness read to me as like horror movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, we went to high school together. I feel like most high school girls want to control what they can mm. and uh, it can go really wrong really quick in a variety of ways. And yeah, it did. It felt like a bad movie more than like some silly book that we were reading you just because you can see it coming maybe because we are older more mature now but you can see what's coming and it's like not a fun see what's coming it's more like oh dear this is not gonna end well yeah and you know what else I think at a certain point you know it's like you have your dance with diet culture and and depending on how your body reacts to it at a certain point you kind of have to make a call like am i going to continue with this bullshit <laughs> that mm -hmm. like that raised me or whatever or am i going to just try to live my life and you know be healthy and try to be okay with who i am i mean that i don't mean to project that on you but that's certainly been a journey sure. for me and so absolutely we're reading this book about a young woman who, at the outset of the book, we've got Robin Wilson, captain, co-captain of the cheerleading team. She's on the diving team. She's got a boyfriend um, who is in college. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's doing fine and is described as her beauty is pointed out to us. And, you know, we just watch her basically like deprive herself systematically of any like enjoyment in life and not just food related, but it starts with food. Right. Well, and I mean, having read other uh, Robin books, thanks Marissa. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I need to give you a different she... one. They're not all like this, <laughs> but all the Robin she... ones kind of are. Right. She isn't always described in every book as this beautiful person. And part of that is this like, you know, diet culture slash fat phobia, where even she in this book talks about how she's not, she wasn't pretty when she was heavier. Um, and that's like a, you know, a big part of the book, a really freaking depressing part of the book. But I think that's like part of the control thing is like, she's done it before and she can do it again. She can lose right. the weight. We get into that with um, like right at the top of the book. And this is another one of those things where, the way that the book puts us into the perspective of whoever is being talked about does some bad stuff. Because here we have, you'll hear in the passage I'm about to read, what we're getting is from Robin's perspective. Like, I know, having read enough of these books, that what the book is doing is it's showing us the world through Robin's POV. But 
it's also speaking in a kind of close third person that makes it feel as if everything Robin thinks is true to an extent. Anyway, without further ado. It bothered Robin that so much in life seemed to depend on physical beauty. It shouldn't be that way, she knew, but that was the real world. And her own experience proved just how real it was. Over and over, Robin reminded herself that having a boyfriend didn't make her a better person than she was before. But there was no denying the fact that George made her feel special. And it had all happened because she was slim. Robin had no doubt that her life would change for the worse if she ever became overweight again. But she would never be fat again. That was a promise Robin had made to herself and one she intended to keep. It was strange, though, that she still thought of herself as a fat person. Years and years of being called tubby had left quite a mark. It didn't take much to make Robin feel self-conscious and unhappy about her looks. When that happened, she had to remind herself that things were different now. And usually, a look in the mirror set her back on an even keel. So there's she, there's Robin, there's our Robin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's in trouble, right? I mean, sorry, do you have comment on that? I can allow you to comment. I mean, when you, you mentioned the word tubby, but there was a part where it said, tubby was one of the nicest names she used yeah. to be called. Buffalo butt was the worst. And it was that really necessary book. Buffalo butt? Like, <laughs> what? What on earth? Being overweight had meant being picked last in team games, ignored at dances, and teased relentlessly. Okay. Yeah. And again, uh, we're okay. Robin's perspective, but like this is the beginning of the book. Um, and it's funny because I think in a lot of ways this book is trying to compensate and I think overcompensate for the like cardinal sin it committed in power play by having Robin Wilson lose a million pounds over the course of, I don't know, a few days, as far as I could tell. Like, you know, she's running around the track, she's eating sensibly and no more chocolate bars. And suddenly she's skinny. Well, that was book four, a book that was mostly about Jessica and Elizabeth being uh, in a fight over Robin, not even about Robin as far mm-hmm. as the series is concerned. But so now right. 70 books later, it feels a little bit like this book is like, well, no, no, wait, that kind of thing can be bad too. And like, let's have a very special episode about it. But then it just can't help itself. It's like, it's 1991 and it can't help but be like, boy, it sure is easier to be skinny. And it sucks that it's like that, but it it's just true. And you know what? Like, fuck it, that might be true, but like, <laughs> you don't, these are 12 year olds reading these books like you don't need them to to internalize that it just makes me crazy to think about it It makes me sad yeah i mean as a 39 year old i don't like reading it yeah um but i have enough uh life behind me that i can you know put these separate things into buckets right but like you said, as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, hell, I mean, even as a 16, 17-year-old, you just don't have that. Um, and oh, my God. No, especially not then. super, super effing dangerous. I, I really do. Like, these, I don't, 
I don't know, Marissa, are these still in libraries? Like, can you still get these or are they mostly? Not so much. Um, not so much. Okay. Sometimes. I think that's I think that's probably a good thing. <laughs> right. Because like it could be I would it would be fun to be able to be like an adult, like going back to them like I do. And I would like to be able to check these out from libraries for myself. But yeah, like kids would read them and it would be bad. But I feel very much actually inadvertently called to account by what you just said, because you're right. I wasn't just feeling sad for young girls reading this book when I read that passage at the very beginning, the passage I just read, and also the part that you read about how hard it is, about how much looks matter. I was feeling sad for myself, too, as somebody who has spent so much of my life trying to imagine that I could be like an attractive person to someone despite like programming otherwise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't talk about it that way very often, but like, it's, that's very, it's something that is a challenge, you know, because I don't know, it's hard, it's like, that's the thing that, you know, your older, your, your mother or your grandmother or what a great grandmother, you know, whispers in your ear like, oh, I love you no matter what you look like, but it'll just be so much easier for you if you were, you know, if you were thin. I'm, anyway. Yes. Yeah, that's what this book is whispering to 12 year olds. Um, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And but also, as we'll get to not too thin, because at a certain point, it crosses over the line and Robin doesn't look good anymore. And, and sure, she's she's also very sick and she shouldn't look good, but it still feels a little bit like, OK, well, it's well, like like body shaming the other way, too. It's just like, well, as we know, like it's ne- you can never have. The right body, except on page two where they say, you know, about our favorite <laughs> twins and their size six figures look great in any style of clothes. Yeah. So let's just be let it be known that, like, if you are a size eight, that's not good. But if you're a size two, that's also God forbid. not acceptable. You only look good in size six perfect size six the books often say the perfect (laughs) this may be the longest ever i have gone into an episode without really digging into the plot but um the plot does seem like sort of secondary here but well let's do it let's do it rob poor robin if that's how robin feels about her herself and she's kind of like teetering on the edge boy she is definitely being thrust into a triggering situation uh, better that it weren't triggering, but it is, right? Because we have the cheerleaders have this asinine <laughs> plan. Um, it's it's sweet, really. It's actually so sweet, uh, both literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> the the gym needs the floor new new flooring. Look, Marissa, I feel like this is a very um, expensive county in California to live in, and I feel like their property taxes should probably be covering the fact that they need a new gym floor. But thank God, thank God for these beautiful Sweet Valley High cheerleaders, cheerleaders who yeah. decided to take this on themselves <laughs> and have this amazing fundraiser that nobody even asked super sunday nobody asked they just took this on themselves because they just know that they can do such a great job and they are going to make the world's largest ice cream sunday and call it 
Super Sunday. Is that what they're calling it? Sunday, yes? Yes, because they're doing it on a Sunday also. So it's a double entendre. Right. Oh, yes, of course. Um, and so they themselves, you know, forget the athletic board uh, or whatever. I mean, they're just going to take this upon themselves. Um yeah, you know, the property taxes clearly are not high enough. The, they to also take care of this. Further. The idea starts as we're going to set a Guinness record, but I don't think anybody does any checking to see what the record would be, and there's no chance in hell that this is actually the world's biggest ice cream sundae. I was thinking the same thing the whole time. I'm like, okay, I want, I, when are they going to give us some stats? I want some numbers here. They never do. So this is the way this book talks about ice cream. Um, in terms of like what a how a pretty girl the star of the series is allowed to think about ice cream okay i want i want you to, i want to frame this passage with with that thought cuz these kids eat a lot of ice cream in this series so much ice cream they do Jessica's mind was racing. She could just picture an enormous mountain of ice cream with chocolate sauce cascading down the sides and whipped cream billowing around the summit like clouds. She giggled at the thought, Mount Everest of the ice cream range. She knew it was a great idea. The only annoying thing was that it wasn't her idea. Even more annoying was that it was Robin's idea. And they decide they're going to make it in like a kiddie swimming pool and they're going to get donations from everybody. It's like kind of only accidentally Robin's idea. And Robin is instantly a little uncomfortable, right? Yeah, she doesn't, you know, at she's she's got some food aversions going on right now as as things start building in the plot. She, and she like never touches ice cream and she makes some self-deprecating yeah. joke about like somebody says, Oh, Robin could dive into it since it's in the pool and she's on the diving team. And Robin is like, Haha, if I go in, I might never come out. <laughs> Which is the kind of joke that if Elizabeth or Jessica made it, it would be like, ha, 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 ha. yeah, ice cream is great. But from Robin, it's more like I will never recover from even a glimpse. She's like an alcoholic. You know, if I if right. I have a taste of this stuff, I'm, I'm off the wagon for good. Right. I, there's a point in the book where. Robin and some of the other cheerleaders are starting to go to ice cream shops asking yes. for donations. Mm -hmm. And one of the owners of one of the shops tells the girls after they have their conversation that she'd love to to give them some ice cream to have. And they're all like, yeah. And then, then the bell over the door tinkled. A very heavy woman walked in, leading two chubby boys by the hand. Robin suddenly changed her mind. Yeah, I mean, and it goes on to say um, she tells uh, this is she's just been offered ice cream, right? A sample of ice cream. And the other girls, Kara and Jessica, are like, yay, ice cream, yummy. And she tells the woman, Mrs. Loman, uh, no, thanks. I'm uh, allergic to milk. Oh, that's too bad. Mrs. Loman replied sympathetically. Jessica and Kara each gave Robin a funny look, but she ignored them. At that moment, she was more interested in getting out of the store and away from the overweight family than anything else. Seeing fat people always brought back her most painful memories of loneliness and shame. Lately, those memories had been bothering her more and more. She didn't know why, and right now, she didn't care. 
and she goes outside and it's just like oh so you also hate fat people like <laughs> like now I, it makes me hard and hard for me to even be sympathetic i get it it's like triggering for her but it's like these are people living their life in the world like you need to check that girl like that oh yeah it's like a self-hating women right it's yes. like the fat phobia is strong in this book. Right. And of course, this is a real thing that happens with all kinds of things. You have it sure. yourself or you've had it in the past and then you like hate to see it in other people. But it's it's still it's so it's not unrealistic, but it's still uh, troubling. Right. And one of the other things that's pushing Robin's buttons is this is related to the honestly having read the book now upsetting um, like quote that you read from the cover of the book mm-hmm. about Robin keeping trying to keep George, which is like so George is her boyfriend, right? George Warren. George is in college, so they only see each other like on the weekends. Like he'll come home sometimes and and see her, mm-hmm. or come to Sweet Valley. He tells her early on that he's going not going to be able to come home quite as often because he's taking this new flying course and he's really excited about it. So she's not getting to spend as much time with him. And, like, in her loneliness, she's, like, having thoughts about how important it is that she needs to stay beautiful. Um, Then, pretty early on, like, the first time George comes home or the first time he even calls her to tell her how it's going, he's got this new, like, flight partner whose name is Vicky. Vicky is in college, and he tells her about Vicky. She's great. Like, you'd really like her, Robin. Which is all fine, but Robin is reminded of a of a troubling uh, but true fact. Which think <laughs> back, gladiators, to how Robin, uh, how Robin Wilson and George Warren got together, and you will recall that they fell in love in flight school <laughs> while they were learning to get their pilot's license, and George was in a committed relationship with another woman. So she's kind of like, huh. George likes to fall in love with people during flight school, <laughs> which is, of course, the problem with starting a relationship with someone when like falling in love with someone when they're in another relationship. It's just like not it's always going to be challenging ground if you you know what I mean? Like if you start with that kind oh, of like yeah. adulterous That's... beginning, trust is going to be an issue, right? That's not a great way to start it. I just I thought it was funny funny maybe not funny but um as uh two girls who grew up in indiana we know we know about bangs bangs. (laughs) and when robin first meets vicky they talk about her bangs in such a way that i've never heard bangs talked about her bangs accentuated her huge dark eyes and made provocative wisps against her high cheekbones so i've heard bangs you know, talked about in many different ways, but I've never heard of bangs being provocative. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. And then come to find out that Vicky is actually very beautiful. And Robin cursed herself for thinking that just because a girl was a wizard math, she was unattractive. Yeah. Doesn't it say something like that's the worst kind of anti-feminism or something like that? Like, <laughs> I just... It's like, okay, so uh, the writers of the book know that, but... um, uh, Yeah. Or they know they're supposed to say that. Yeah. (laughs) So this, I mean, the provocative wisps definitely, I think, points to Robin's insecurity. Like, we're seeing Robin 
think that this girl's wisps are provocative. <laughs> like, everything about her is so sexy. Oh, I mean, I guess we should add that George was trying to set up a double date. Um, so yes. he and Robin were going to go out with Vicky and a friend of his named Hal. But then Hal, like, got sick or couldn't come or something. Something th- fell through. And so now mm-hmm. it's, like, the three of them. And Robin does not like that, which is understandable. But, like, what are you going to do, you know? Um, right. She's so jealous. And then to make matters worse, I mean, she's a jerk to Vicky the whole night. She's really, like, mm-hmm. unreasonably a jerk. She's not even trying. Because she sees Vicky as, like, a man snatcher, which is if she's trying to be a feminist, she's failing. But um, then they go home and uh, they like go back to Robin's house briefly. And like Vicky looks around and is saying lots of nice things about um, Robin's aunt Fiona, uh, who's an artist like, oh, I love her so much. And Robin's like, aunt Fiona sucks. You know, <laughs> She doesn't say that, but she thinks it. But then Vicky picks up this picture of Robin and says, Who's this? Vicky held up a small framed photograph of Robin that had been taken two years earlier. Is she a cousin? Robin snatched it out of her hands. No, that's me. You? Robin, you've lost so much weight. I'm really impressed, Vicky said sincerely. Gee, thanks. I know I used to be fat, Vicky. Oh and it says there was a tense silence in the room. And I, I I, don't know. There was part of me that kind of related to Robin in that moment. But, like, it does encapsulate um, yeah. the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, dear Vicky, we don't, we don't discuss other people's bodies. We just don't discuss them. Thank like, you. if she just said, oh, okay. That yeah. would have, like, it's still, the sentence still would have hung there. But it wouldn't have left Robin feeling like... Yeah, I was fat before. Now I look good. Thank you. Thank you. It yeah. is weird. It's that weird thing. Of, I know. was bad, and now I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But anyway, our, our sympathy for Robin begins to fade. I mean, my sympathy. I shouldn't say our sympathy. I'm sure some people might relate to Robin's decisions in a way that is painfully sympathetic. But... um. She basically decides that she's going to start a new diet. She she has this upsetting scene where she, like... She scraped her chair back, stood up, and went over to the counter. Her mother had left out a package of sticky buns, and Robin yanked open a drawer for a knife. But just as she was about to cut into the sweet pastry, she pictured Vicky. Slim, elegant, and glamorous. Robin swallowed the sour taste in her mouth and put the knife away. No wonder George liked Vicky. She probably kept that figure by avoiding anything remotely fattening. And so then she runs upstairs and, like, weighs herself, and she's, like, gained three pounds, which is a normal fluctuation of the scale, one might say. But to Robin, she's, like, literally, like, no wonder George doesn't like me as much anymore, which is, there's no evidence for this. Right. Um, except that he's literally, like, taking this class. Like, he's chosen to take a class. <laughs> and then she writes this, like, diet list where it's like she's going to drink a lot of water and she immediately drinks three glasses of water and she's going to eat vegetables and at first it's sort of like okay this is a diet but it's all what did you think i don't know uh well by diet if you mean she decides not to eat anything by the that's end, how it ends up happening yes, that's yeah her, that's her diet i mean she was eating salad without dressing 
you know, she really she really wasn't eating <clears throat> anything at the beginning, and then by the end of the book, she truly was not eating anything. And she loses. At all. Yeah, there's a there's a really harrowing scene that I wrote down, but I absolutely was like, I actually don't want to read this. Um, some of the scenes that um, like really started pushing my buttons the most are increasingly so like Robin gets increasingly short tempered. We have a word for that now. It's called hangry. Um, but she gets, she's not, she's like pathologically hangry, right? Because she's eating so much less than she should. And like you right. said, essentially almost nothing. But she gets really snappy at her mom. And basically anytime her mom tries to feed her any kind of meal, just normally with her brothers, she at one point accuses her mom of, um, she says you made me fat and her mom starts like crying at the kitchen and then Robin instantly feels really bad but it's this really scary moment where she's like looks down at her food and thinks about taking a bite for her mom's sake and then realizes that she's not hungry at all and she hasn't been hungry recently yeah. it's like Let's this is what I'm talking about dinner. yeah the dinner is chicken and potatoes. Yeah, no, the going back, sorry, I'm skipping way ahead to when that moment happens. But the first time, yes, the first time Robin snaps at her mom, she's like, did oh, you cook breakfast. these carrots in butter? Oh, and yeah. She, and he, yeah, there's breakfast. There's, did you cook these carrots in butter? Mom says, no, I did margarine like I always do. And she's like, why did you leave the skin on this chicken? Like, how do you expect me to keep my figure? if you're, It's so, that kind of thing, you know? And her mom is like, you look fine to me. And she says, that's what you used to say when I was fat. And her mom is like, yeah. I We talk a lot about bad parents in this book, but Robin's mom, I really felt for. I felt like she was really trying, you know? And she, mm -hmm. she catches on to Robin's issues pretty early and tries to say something like, I haven't seen you eating. Are you eating at school? And Robin lies, you know, so. Yeah. I think Robin's mom might have been what we would call now an almond mom, but like was trying to uh, trying to do better. Well, explain and, that to yeah. people that don't know what that means. Well, I mean, and I think, well, if you are a listener of a certain age and you grew up in the 80s, 90s, maybe even the early aughts, you know, we are the generation that grew up with snack wells and hundred mm -hmm. calorie packs. And so, you know, I know I heard it even in my own house, also on TV and everywhere else that, you know, the best way to satiate your hunger, hunger, if you're hungry is to eat, you know, 10 almonds or whatever, that would be enough. And so, you know, it's a, it's a trend that people talk about on TikTok and whatnot. Um, I really sound like an elder millennial right now, but you know, having own your truth, mom, Mary Kate. Okay, I mean, you know, I I am, I am an elder right, millennial. Right, exactly. That's what I'm uh, saying. Like, like solidly, there, there's that's that's the truth. But you know, I did grow up on hundred calorie pack snacks. Oh yeah, and the snack well cookies and you know that kind of thing. So you know, there, there were, were those limits. potato and so chips the almond for a moms while. Are, Yeah. Oh, the ones that made you like leak fecal matter, right? Yeah, that's why they stopped selling them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, still to this day, there's a never-ending 
you know, diet trends to try. They, they just go by different names. And that stuff was and, mostly, yeah. like, after this book, too. Like, there there was stuff before, but, like, a lot of the right. stuff we're talking about, this book predates I mean, Slim it. Fast Shakes. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things. But, I mean, the thing I think that permeates my brain are, you know, the 100-calorie snack packs. Because, of course, like, 100 calories, that was that was what a snack could be, and that was that. Yeah. And of course, um, fat was bad, terribly bad. Um, right. And you, like just fat, period. Like the idea of fat. Fat, period. Yeah. Yes. Right. So about halfway into the book, there's this moment where our girls, Jessica and Elizabeth, are brought in and start to have an opinion about Robin or, or weigh in, have some concern. So I thought I'd read that because um, it's another facet of Robin's uh, character. Um, so they're driving to school and they see Robin walking to school or like she's kind of running to, to along the road um, to school. So Elizabeth is like, maybe she needs a ride, like pull over. And they do. Do you want to ride to school? Jessica asked. Robin shook her head. No, thanks. I need the exercise. Why? Elizabeth gave an incredulous laugh. Cheerleading practice and diving isn't enough exercise for you? Elizabeth expected Robin to laugh along with her, but to her surprise, Robin looked deadly serious. No, it's not. But you must be kind of worn out. It's a long walk from your house to school. Elizabeth was beginning to feel a little bit worried. There were faint circles under Robin's eyes, and her mouth had a tired, downturned slant. I'm fine, Liz, really, Robin insisted. She gave them both a bright smile. I don't need a ride. And Elizabeth kind of, they pull away, and Elizabeth is like, is Robin on a diet again? Jessica shrugged. I guess so. She's been eating naked salads for lunch, no dressing. But why? She's so slim already. Who knows? Jessica obviously wasn't very concerned about Robin. She wants to be slimmer, that's all. And Jessica, I mean, Elizabeth does say, and so the book does put the sentence in here. Why is everyone in this country so obsessed with being skinny? Elizabeth said angrily. It's not right. Girls and women are made to feel they're ugly if they don't look like models or like beauty pageant contestants. So, like, thank you, Elizabeth, for saying it. Although it does still become that thing of, like, it's so hard. You know, society demands, which is not a fun thing to be reminded of, but. No, it's exhausting. I mean, this book came out in 1991 and we're still, we're still there. We're still there in this nightmare culture. Well, I feel like, I feel like there's been some definite progress made, but sometimes I wonder how much of it is actual progress and how much of it is me maturing, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot, (laughs) I, I think, Marissa, I think a lot of the progress that we feel is, internal and with our selves and you know our relationships but i think the outward culture itself really hasn't truly really hasn't changed that much although maybe we're not so outwardly loud about it uh you know certainly you only have to listen to music watch ads you know watch a show to see that we haven't moved all that all that much um which is kind of sad, but you're right. It's it's internal, which isn't a bad thing. You know, we're all growing and maturing and, and learning different things. 
And then I think there's just like these pockets that maybe are like easier to tap into. You can easily learn about, you know, um, an anti-diet culture movement and Mm -hmm. what that's about. And you can find research more easily. You can like look at science. You can find other people that have had similar experiences to yours, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We have Robin... Uh, it's described as a grueling pace that she's keeping at cheerleading. She's really being a taskmaster about this, like being in charge of the Super Sunday event. And she's trying to get the cheerleaders to practice extra hard. And when they're all like, we're done, Robin, this is this practice is over. She's like, I'm going to keep practicing. But at diving practice, we finally get the first real like tough love intervention from her coach who's like first of all noticing that robin has lost weight oh straight up ask her if she's on a diet if she's eating enough calories to you know have the energy to be an athlete yeah Uh, if she's under a doctor's supervision i mean i guess she's asking all the right questions and then eventually the coach has just had it i mean it's clear that Robin is not in a good place. She's not diving well either. Like the questioning first starts at the beginning. Like I'm noticing a change in your physique. If you're on a diet as an, she says, as an athlete in training, you shouldn't be dieting without a doctor's supervision. Do you have a doctor's supervision? And Robin is like, oh, haha, I keep meaning to make an appointment. And, you know, the coach is sort of like, all right, like, fine you know we'll do this practice but robin is she doesn't have the energy like her stamina this is fairly into the book now her stamina is flagging because she's not eating and um not long after this we have jessica seeing her and saying that she looks terrible or that robin (laughs) looks terrible Mm -hmm. um so it's like really affecting her life i mean the coach eventually says go home right and then we also have George, like, they're having a little bit, like, George doesn't understand why Robin was so mean to Vicky. Robin won't say anything to him because she's, like, too embarrassed to say, I'm afraid that you are falling in love with Vicky and I'm jealous of her. There's this really unpleasant scene where he takes her out to a nice dinner and she orders, but then she doesn't eat her food. Right. And he's, like, really mad about it, <laughs> which, like... He just doesn't understand. He's kind of a dumb boy in this book. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a Ken. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what he does, too? He like He's like, this is what he says right before the food comes. And so it, like, triggers Robin again into not wanting to eat, even though she was like, was she, would she have eaten it anyway? I don't know. But he tells her that he can't come home next Friday because he is driving Vicky up to see her parents. She doesn't have a car and she needed a ride. So then he says, Vicky invited you to come along, but you told me you didn't like Vicky. So I told her that you couldn't come. So <laughs> he's like, from poor Robin's perspective, he's like, basically constructed this you know excursion like volunteered to help vicky out and he feels like well why shouldn't i help her she's been so helpful to me in this flying class but he doesn't (laughs) he's just not seeing it i mean in some way it's to his credit because it's like he loves robin so much like there shouldn't be an issue but yeah yeah you kind of see where robin's coming from not with the extreme choices that she makes but with the with her 
um, worry about Vicky. For sure. Well, we could go through the play-by-play, but like I said, most of the uh, scenes that I have written down from this book, I actually don't really want to read because I, I feel like it's, it's it was hard enough to read them the first time. Then I, I skimmed this book a second time because I, I had read it a while back and like a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. um, just thinking about saying it all again was rough. But there is one thing that I, I thought was pretty interesting. Um this is a scene where I had referenced it earlier where Robin starts to realize that she hasn't been hungry for a while, but I won't, this is right. This is what precedes that. Like her mom is cooking pancakes and Robin's not eating them. Robin poured herself a cup of black coffee and tried to ignore the enticing smell of food. The odors brought with them a wave of nostalgia. Things had not always been unhappy when she was overweight. Robin could remember plenty of warm, cozy Saturday morning breakfasts with her family. She could remember plenty of evenings when she and her mother had sipped hot cocoa with marshmallows and talked about their dreams and hopes. Even as recently as a year ago, food had been the source of a lot of happiness. Robin could remember her last birthday cake, chocolate with marzipan frosting and raspberry jam filling, as though she had eaten it just yesterday. Her friends had screamed with laughter at her birthday party. Life had seemed so much easier and more comfortable back then. No one made demands on her. No one put pressure on her to achieve this or choose that. It seemed to Robin that she and her mother had both smiled a lot more in the past than they did now. Wait. Tell, tell wait, me wait. what you're thinking. So what thinking. you're telling me, Marissa, what you're telling me is you can be fat and happy at the same time. You can be both of those things. This is the shocking revelation of uh, of this Stop book. It. I really partly Stop it. I want to give the book as much credit as we can. Like this is a this is an important sentiment, but it's just so it's just so like too little. Like the efforts are the efforts are troubling in their own right, right? Because, like, she's also describing a memory of her, of, like, how, oh, when when I was fat, nobody expected anything of me, is the end of that sentence, essentially. Mm -hmm. Which, again, that's Robin's thinking. And Robin, like, was essentially a different person when we first first meet her as as a fat girl. I don't know why, but she, her personality was totally different. Um, Because that's how that works. Uh, I mean, I'm sure sometimes, but, but, there's also another thing that we have to talk about a little bit is Lois Waller. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, if you've forgotten me. Lois Waller, I, you could be forgiven for that because. Oh yes, right. She's she is a larger girl in the book who has a boyfriend. Yes. And they're happy, yeah. and she has a boyfriend, and she's larger. How oh, right? How can that <laughs> happen? I mean, there's a gross scene in the book where, like, yes. Jessica is... Well, there are a few gross scenes with Lois, but partly because it's, like, Lois exists in this book specifically for... To, like, be, um, like, a sacrificial lamb 
of the idea yes. that like, no, we're not saying fat and being fat makes you unhappy. Like, look at Lois. She has all this stuff and she's fat, but they still can't help themselves from having Robin look at Lois and be like, oh my gosh, if I, it, Robin like t- touches her cheek after Lois talks, talks to her and feels how it's hollow and Lois's cheek would be plump and like, oh, if Robin eats ever again, my cheeks might look like that. Like, ew, ew, ew. It's like, but it's very, very like getting very, very horror movie like visceral at that point like we're talking about hollow cheeks and full cheeks and yes but jessica also says something bad i think the book means that she looks like jessica simpson when that was Mm. the remember jessica simpson in those tight high-waisted jeans was the epitome of the worst thing you could look like that that's lois that's lois (laughs) (laughs) well there there is a line where like lois is is eating something god forbid and jessica says something like i I don't know how she can eat when she's so fat (laughs) like which is essentially like that could be the subtitle of this whole books or this whole series as perspective as far as i can see on eating it's the thing that drives me the most crazy as like a fat person is this idea that like well if you're not fat you're allowed to eat if you're fat, right. God forbid you ever eat anything. Right. Like, that's how it feels sometimes, you know? So Jessica, Elizabeth, like, they're constantly, they're eating the ice cream at, at Casey's. They're eating the... French fries. French fries, pizza. In this book, there's so much food. <laughs> yeah. So much food. And, like, fatty mm-hmm. food and junk food. The stuff teenagers love. Yeah. And, but throughout this series, the kids are eating that shit constantly. And nobody is ever like, people are like, oh, I'm so fuller. Oh, I'm going to have a tummy ache. But not like, it's rare. It's rare that it goes beyond like, oh, I better not have another scoop of ice cream. I'm trying to watch my figure. You know, that happens sometimes. But most of the time, people are allowed to eat what they want. Right. Unless they're fat. Right. And then I wonder if I wrote it down. Lois's weight had not spoiled her good nature. She didn't exactly take teasing in stride, but she knew it was inevitable. Most of the time, Lois seemed to be pretty contented with her life. She and Jean laughed together over something and then began to share a big plate of french fries. No wonder she's so fat. Look what she's eating, Jessica noted fastidiously. Elizabeth shook her head in exasperation. I've noticed you eating french fries once or twice. Yeah, but I'm not fat, Jessica retorted. How can she stand it? She seems to stand it just fine. Lois obviously isn't bothered by her weight, so why should it bother you? And <laughs> it doesn't bother me. You could have fooled me. Uh, Jessica says, it's just that it's not healthy. So this is actually pretty early on in the book that, that the twins are having this debate, which I'm sure the book is putting forward as like, this is the way that people talk about fat people. And like, you don't need to feel that way. Elizabeth is right. Jessica is wrong. But it's still like unpleasant to read. And it's exactly... The thing that I was I, I talk about all the time and just just did go on a rant about with, um, you know, Jessica is exactly allowed to eat these things and Lois isn't. So, yep. yeah. Should we talk about the climax? Are we there? Yeah, we can do that. So finally the day arrives. It's Super Sunday. It's Super Sunday. And like the mayor is coming, like the newspaper is there. Boy, everybody's having a great time with the ice cream. 
<clears throat> but Robin isn't there. Robin, who planned all of this and was like such a um, mastermind and, and really a tough boss of all of it. She's not there. She is asleep at home and she wakes up and she's in a daze and it's only an hour until the thing starts and races over to the park and is well, races given as fast as she can. Yeah. Because she's not well. Oh, yeah. She tries to take a bus and she like can't count the change. Her brain is is not working. No, like she had to sit down after she got dressed. I mean, she is wiped. She's like dying. Her body has you know? no, her <laughs> body has no like. energy. Again, horror is, movie. Yeah. Horror movie. So she gets yeah. to the park and they're like, Robin, you're here. Open this can of chocolate sauce. And she can't <laughs> open the can. She's like not strong enough to open the can. But eventually she's like, Robin, you can do this. You got to open this fucking can, Robin. You got to do it. And she's telling herself. And so she opens it. And with difficulty, she worked the opener around the can. An intense sweetness drifted up into her face, making her feel a little nauseated. Look at all that ice cream, a little boy yelled. I never saw so much. A babble of excited voices filled the air. People were still buying tickets, and others were exchanging their tickets for bowls and spoons. Jessica, Kara, Annie, Sandy, and Amy were busily dumping ice cream into the kiddie pools. Laughter and shouts of encouragement surrounded them as the mounds of ice cream grew larger and larger. Robin raised the lid from the can of chocolate syrup. The syrup looked like a dark, sticky well. Suddenly, Robin felt so dizzy that she couldn't see at all. The crowd's attention was so focused on the growing Sunday that Robin was left completely alone. Something's happening to me. She heard her voice as if from very far away. Robin? She heard another faint voice. Robin? A wash of darkness filled Robin's eyes, and she felt herself falling. Horror movie. It's a horror movie. A wash of darkness. A wash yeah. of darkness. So they have to call Ooh, an a ambulance. Wash of yeah, I mean, so eventually, you know, if you your body doesn't have enough calories, you're going down. Yeah. Um, and she's been overdoing it. Right. And the EMTs, I mean, these must be the smartest EMTs. Obviously, their their property tax pays for like very <laughs> like like very high-end EMTs because somehow <laughs> on the spot they diagnose her with pneumonia, which okay, that's interesting. But I guess, you know, her body was just couldn't fight anything. And so aside from obviously also having an eating disorder, um, she also has pneumonia. Yeah. And my understanding, and I'm kind of surprised the book didn't go there because of how much it loves heart issues. But that's a big problem with anorexia is that um, it causes heart failure. Right. Um, But maybe... I mean, I, I think to, I mean, Robin is lucky, right? Like they catch this mm-hmm. because she got pneumonia, they catch on to her anorexia a lot sooner than they might have otherwise, you know? And she's right. in the hospital and there's this interesting scene that I almost brought this up, but I was like, save it, save it, Marissa, save it to the end. You said something at the outset of this episode about how when you're a teenager, you try to control what you can control in a lot of different ways. And we get this heart-to-heart with Vicky, of all people, in the hospital, Mm -hmm. who tells Robin, like, I think I know what's going on with you. 
And to the book's credit, they didn't pull the ridiculous coincidence of having her also have an eating disorder. Yes. But Vicky tells this story about how she, her parents were going to get divorced and she started like doing reckless stuff, like bad behavior stuff, because she was trying to pull the attention to her so that like her family would stay together to like help her. Like, so, you know, a, a far-fetched plan, but something a kid might come up with. And that before too long, she was actually, like, addicted to drugs She was a dope head, She Marissa. was a dope head, whatever that means, yeah. <laughs> um, a catch-all term for someone that has a drug problem. And she, like, genuinely, her efforts to pretend to be bad, like, slipped into her actually, like having a problem and her parents got divorced anyway and it was like the it's a little bit of a stretch the parallel but i think when you find it it's really interesting which is this idea of you were trying to control something that was outside of your control by exerting your control on other things you know which is relatable right. absolutely whether you have sure. an eating disorder or not yeah i think we're all desperate to control something well, I know you and me are. <laughs> yeah. right. But I think we all probably are, yeah. I think everybody has their sticking points. Did you sure. relate it all to Robin um, organizing her closet? Uh, I, I do. I do. I am the kind of person when life feels out of control, um, when there are things truly out of my control going on, I am a clean everything kind of person. You know, pick up, minimize things, um, outer order, inner calm, as Gretchen Rubin would say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get I get it. I get it. Finding some sense of control in moments of, um, you know, chaos. Totally. Um, what about and, you? Uh, oh, yeah. I love to control things. But I for me, it tends to be less about like having a, going on a cleaning or organizing spree, although sometimes that happens because I do like for things to be organized. But but one thing that I literally will do to calm my nerves is like alphabetize something. I have written a whole thing about it in Metaphoria once about going to the library. I used to do this at, um, there was a Borders bookstore right by where my dad, I lived with my dad in Chicago for, for a number of years. And I would go to the fiction section of borders and I would choose a shelf and I would put the books back in alphabetical order because they would always be a little bit off. And I do the same thing sometimes that like I'll go to the library where the DVDs are always in a sort of general like alphabetized order, but not it's not right. And like just I'll put them in order for a little while if I have time to do that. Lately, that's not been an option for me but there have been times in my life when I could take a pause to go to the library and organize right so I feel like those are healthier ways to deal with you know feeling adrift although I'm sure both of the things that we do can if you do them too hard or too extreme can lead to sure issues but I I know for me just you know organizing a room or or the junk drawer or whatever can can give me just enough 
like space in my brain to kind of pull it together. I should probably try that sometimes. I mean, I'm doing a public service or whatever, but like maybe I could help. I could organize my own bookshelf <laughs> instead of going to the bookstore. Give it a try. I want to I want to hear how it goes. Um, I guess we didn't read to you, Gladiators, the whole scene where Robin, we do have this moment in the book that is an interesting like character moment and speaks to this control thing where Robin has meticulously organized her closet and it really made her feel good. And then also she goes off on her mom for putting a few new things in her closet and like totally messing up her system. And her mom is really scolds her for being so rude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she apologizes, yeah. but... It's a moment that illustrates Robin's whole situation, her inner turmoil. Yeah, I think we've all had those moments, too, where, you know, just small things set you off, which, you know, as now someone who's very close to 40, when those things start bothering me, I can look in internally and go, okay, hold up, you know, where where am I feeling out of control so out of control that, you know, adding something to my closet is putting me in a tizzy. Um, yeah. We can be a little more introspective as you get older. I, I think as a teenager, you just don't have those, you don't have those tools. You don't have the brain mm. space for that just yet. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that your advice to Robin in this book is check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I would... I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> I think, um, you know, so, so many people fall into what she fell into. She's lucky she had coaches who cared, you know, friends who noticed and a mom who noticed. So Even many her frenemies noticed. Those. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people don't have that or don't have the guidance or, you know, someone kind of watching out and that's when things can get you know really I mean this did get dangerous for Robin she ended up in the hospital but um, we all hopefully have those people that are kind of keeping an eye on things when they're worried or concerned um, who can kind of you know alert the authorities whatever the authorities are yeah. right uh, when we are we are in uh, danger yeah well, so Robin doesn't end up, end the book in the hospital. She d does end up in the hospital, but um, she has, there's the nice doctor, Dr. McLeod, that like gives us, is the book basically like speaking to any young girls with eating disorders out there through the book. Like, it's right. not your fault. It happens to lots of people. We, you do need to fix it, but you're not alone. You know, you don't have to feel bad about it, which was nice to read. Mm -hmm. Um and then George comes in and they kind of like, I don't know, they sort of kind of go on a break. It's not clear. That's kind of how they made it sound like she needed to focus on herself. I don't know if that means they broke up or yeah, it's unclear. if that means that she's okay with him, you know, like not coming home every weekend while he's taking this class. Mm -hmm. That wasn't clear, but good for her. She's realizing she's got to spend some time with herself and... Uh, make things right with herself first before she can, you know, give her time and attention to, to anyone or anything else. Yeah. Um, and so she's she's healing up. She's 
spending some time at home recuperating. At the end of the book, we have Robin having come to school for the first time to pick up some homework. And she sees the cheerleaders and she finds out that they have made from Super Sunday, they made $673.50. And Robin says, that doesn't sound like very much. (laughs) And Jessica or Sandy or whoever is like, well, the grounds committee didn't turn it down you know the building the building fund said took it you know they agreed so and i don't have an inflation calendar or calculator but i feel like that's probably pretty decent yeah maybe what robin is thinking is like 673 dollars that's what my health and well-being was worth (laughs) but i think i think her truthfully um her trigger was had more to do with george than with the ice cream and herself. Right. You know, not that it was George's right. fault by no, by any means, but like it was right. more about that. Mm-hmm. $1,492. Okay. I mean, I think for a fundraiser of yeah. of this type for high school students, that's not so bad. Perfectly acceptable. Yes. Yeah. A great job even. And Robin concedes that as well. We did a good job, which is also a sign that she's healing. Nature is healing. And <clears throat> this episode is healing, which means we're com- we're coming to a close here. But Mary Kate, I do have to ask you if you will um, tease book seventy five. Um, at the end mm-hmm. of the book, you know, I mentioned how we've got you know the kids in the, I guess they're in the cafeteria, eating, having a great time eating as ever. Um, <laughs> And then we zoom in on uh, Enid and Lila and Amy Sutton. And Enid's cousin Jake, who's coming to town, Enid is showing this picture of her cute cousin. And Amy is saying, sure, Jake is cute, but I still think Tom McKay is cuter. And apparently she keeps talking about Tom McKay, who is dating Gene West, another cheerleader. So you want to read that last sentence Mm. to tease the... Tease the gladiators. Side note, I just love the visual of Enid, like, carrying around a physical picture of her cousin. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She loves it, too, No phones or anything. She just, like, like, happens to have that. She, like, literally, it's like she wants her fellow uh, (laughs) schoolmates to be able to ogle her cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Will Amy finally find her true love? Find out in Sweet Valley High, number 75, Amy's first love. Yeah, another very special one, guys, but I think it'll be a little bit more fun (laughs) than 74. Thanks. Thanks, Marissa. (laughs) Sorry. Well, um, Gladiators, tune in next week for a little bit more conversation in extra drama with me and Mary-Kate. You know you want that. Um, If you want to send me an email how did you feel about any of this sweet valley diaries at me.com or you can follow the show on instagram at sweet valley diaries mary kate do you have anything you want to plug this is a thing we don't i usually forget to ask i you know what i just want everybody to vote in your local elections there's a lot of small little elections coming up all over the country just vote it's so important great that's polls. a an excellent plug. Um, and Gladiators will leave you with a lesson that Mary-Kate already imparted for this book. It's clear as day. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's true. Bye. Bye.
Well, let me ask you this. What do you want the tone of this to be? There's only one tone that I think it could possibly have. 